0: Welcome to the Augusta Golf Show podcast. Now, here's John Patrick. Jaime Diaz covers the game for Golf Channel. He is a PGA Lifetime Achievement Award in Journalism winner, honored by Jack Nicklaus with a Memorial Golf Journalism Award. He is described by a mutual friend as the best writer in the game. It's a pleasure to welcome Jaime Diaz back to the Augusta Golf Show. How are you, Jaime?
1: I'm good, John. Nice to be with you.
0: Thank you for saying yes to this. How many opens? How many Opens have you been to?
1: Oh wow! Um, let's see. I missed one. I, I um, every uh, every one since '88.
0: Okay. Most memorable one was what?
1: Well, that was a memorable one. Uh, I brought my dad uh, to uh, uh, you know Royal Litham and watched Stevie win. And and the last round was played on on Monday. Because they did have some really bad weather on Sunday, and my dad, which you know the R.N.A. would frown on, of course, but he went out and uh, I gave him my armband, and he I had to write because it was so late. It was I was with Sports Illustrated; they had to have the story early Monday, as early as possible Monday, and so I was writing while he was out there taking notes for me <laughs> on Seve, and he was a good reporter, uh, and and he you know went the whole 18, and Seve of course played beautifully and made that memorable par on 18. So that was very memorable. But I'll tell you, Jordan Spieth winning it at uh, Burkdale on that back nine, that's about as exciting as I've seen a finish. But there have been so many. I mean, you know, Norman at Troon when Caltevecchio won and Saldo at Muirfield and, of course, Tiger, those you know tours of force at, at, at St. Andrews twice. Um, I think the Open Championship, as a spectator to watch, uh, is, is the best and the most exciting. You just see more, mostly. St. Andrews is a tough watch, ironically, uh, but you know the vistas from the sand dunes <laughs> at the other courses and the air and how easy it is to walk. It's just uh,
0: it's ideal in many ways. You know, you mentioned St. Andrews, and and maybe people don't realize this, but but when the Open is at St. Andrews, isn't it treated sort of like a grocery store? You can only walk on the outer limits of the course. You can't get inside the course as a spectator, right?
1: That's right. It's such a narrow strip of land that's used for that particular course. It goes out and it comes back and there's really hardly anything in between. There's a couple of connectors that cre- you know that connect the inbound and outbound uh but getting to those is very hard. You, it's mostly a grandstand situation or mm-hmm. you walk along the outside and that can be unsatisfying especially if you're watching trying to watch the leader. For you. But 18 there's nothing better so you yeah. know it has its trade-off.
0: For you, what makes the Open Championship special?
1: Oh, gosh. Uh, well, feeling like you're, you know, at the beginning of the game, uh, at the beginnings of the game, it just has a, you feel a, kind of this primal joy at just being there where you know great players were playing in the 1800s and it's the way the game was sort of formed, not just in terms of the land, but the in terms of the shots. And, you know, you start seeing some of those same shots, even with the modern equipment, and it just feels like, you know, a time capsule uh, where you're going back. And I think it means so much to the champions when they win because they're also part of something now almost timeless that the emotion from the winners and, and, and the emotion down the stretch for the fans because they don't get to see generally, you know, they love golf, they play golf over there, you know, as part of their everyday life in so many cases but they don't get to see the greatest players in the world that often and when they do the passion for it and the emotion it's like you know you hear the singing at the soccer games You've, you sort of feel the equivalent of that at the open championship from the the love and the and almost the uh, the longing that the players that the fans have to see those players so it just creates this wonderful atmosphere you know it stays up open late I mean, I, uh, everything stays open late because of the, the sunshine and the fans. And so the towns that they're in are great, too. Um, you know, I, I just feel like, uh, and especially before the Internet, you could actually play a lot of golf while you were over there. <laughs> uh, and that was always a joy as a, as a golf rider. So, so many pluses. And, uh, you know, some of the things have changed, but the, the essential attraction, uh, you know, sort of uh, endures.
0: We're talking with Jaime Diaz here on the Augusta Golf Show. You mentioned your dad. You mentioned Seve. I know you were close to Seve. Why was this tournament and Seve such a perfect match?
1: Well, you know, the Scottish and the British uh, love Seve more than the Spaniards did as far as golf. They, they understood what he was and how good he was. And uh, he reciprocated with with his, some of his best golf. I, I think the golf over there suited him because he was not always the most accurate, but he was very often the most uh, creative and ingenious. And so he came up with shots that uh, were memorable and, 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 and important to his victories. Uh, And he, and he was passionate about that championship and it came through. I mean, that moment, of course, in 1984, when he, when he won at St. Andrews and made that birdie putt, he, he called that El Momento in his whole life. And there was a, he had a logo of it in his house. It was on his uh, the knocker of his front door. He had a tattoo that, that had the that Capito Momento. So, you know, it was something that was reciprocal. They understood him, and he understood them. And his golf suited suited the Lynx golf. And uh, he uh, he didn't always win, but he, he always gave them a show. Uh, and and not, not in a way of being a performer, just in a way of being and really just uh, such a, a passionate golfer that they just loved his the way that he immersed himself in the game and tried every possible kind of uh, you know different kind of shot that that not all not, not a lot of other players would try uh, and and so he, there was a distinctiveness of the game they loved Lee Trevino for the same reason uh, the way he played so there's appreciators of golf among the fans over there at a higher proportion probably than anywhere else and there's certain games that are just you just love the game that the, that they play. Like Crenshaw loves to love to watch Stevie, and nobody loves golf more than Crenshaw. So that kind of attraction transferred over to the fans. I I
0: I don't want to ask you who's going to win. I think that's foolhardy. But but are you expecting to see the usual suspects atop the leaderboard next weekend, or or somebody different?
1: Well. You know, I mean, as you know, John, I mean, golf surprises you all the time, and who would have thought Wyndham Clark would have won the U.S. Open going into it? But Wyndham Clark played incredible golf, and he has talent. And sometimes, you know, there's that moment where the talent and the and the situation intersect, and perhaps that golfer mentally that week is ready. Uh, and so that's totally unpredictable. But I would just say, I think Dottie Scheffler has kind of separated himself in terms of the sustained quality that he brings to all his tournaments. And, and so I just think, I just think he's so due to win uh, because he keeps putting himself there and indifferent putting for whatever reason, because he's not a bad putter, but he has been in relative to the rest of his game for the last three or four months that it's turned him in the majors. I just feel like on a links course, the, the greens tend to be a little more, I, I guess the holding speed is a little better, so to speak They're They're not running 13 and 14 they. Unless it starts getting burned out and, and, and windy. But generally, they're in that 10 to 11 range. And, you know, that can heal up a guy who maybe doesn't feel totally comfortable with maybe five and six footers all day. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's what hurt Scotty. So I, I, I think Scotty's going to win. But, you know, <laughs> I, I don't feel like Rory has that same sustained excellence um, that, that Scotty has shown. But, you know, we know that when Rory happens to be on, which hasn't happened as often as it did early in his career, he's devastatingly good. So I guess those are the two guys that I would look at the most. I mean John Rahm has been, you know, explosive in majors when he's played well. The Masters was so impressive. Hasn't quite, you know, sustained that. I think Cameron Smith, I mean he has a he has a game for the Link. I mean and he showed it last year. So I think those four stick out in my mind.
0: Before I let you go, I have to ask you this question: what What were your thoughts? What went through your head as you looked at those those Senate hearings earlier this week?
1: Well, in some way or another, golf's going to be changed forever, eventually. Here, uh, and not it could be better, but it could be worse. So this sense of I won't say dread, but you know, it's kind of an ominous foreboding of what's in store here, uh, and. I understand. You know, you can go back along the timeline, and every move that was made, you can criticize them all now. At the time, those moves seemed like reasonable, logical moves. Uh, but they've added up to the PIF. You know, the person. Uh, sorry, the Public Investment Fund being a real force in the game. It, it has gotten there. And so, what is that going to mean? We don't know. Um, but chances are, it's going to be about self-interest for for the Saudi Arabians. And so if that self-interest doesn't line up with what we consider to be traditional in golf, golf's going to change. And I, you know, I think the PGA tour has been a continuum of history and continuum of, of excellence and sort of the, to me, sort of the foundation of why we watch golf. Uh, We all play it, but there's something about watching the best in the world. And that, that structure has held up beautifully. And if it gets, you know, transformed into something different, I just fear what that is, is going to be. So uh, the Senate hearings weren't about that, but they're about a process that is, you know, eventually going to get to the point where uh, the things that were normal are not going to be normal anymore. Uh, whether it's the, you know, the, the uh, sorry, the, the governing bodies of the game, governing I shouldn't say the governing body, but the, the governing of the professional game, or, um, you know, a fragmentation, perhaps, which would really be, I think, disruptive and, and bad. So that's what I think about. Uh, it, you know, the, the Senate hearings themselves, I thought I thought the PGA Tour witnesses acquitted themselves pretty well. Uh, Jimmy Dunn and Ron Price. Uh, Senator Blumenthal made some points we knew he was going to make, and they're totally legitimate. I don't know if they're going to carry the day in terms of the golf decision, but they certainly made the decision that's going to come. A source of, of uh, criticism for a lot of people. So golf may lose some popularity, and that's also worrisome.
0: He is Jaime Diaz. Uh, Jaime, I got you at the last minute. Thank you for saying yes. I hope to see you soon. Thank you, sir.
1: Look forward to it, John. Always a pleasure. Thank you.